Hello and welcome to the Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode I'll be joined by Rachel Amory and Justin Bowie to examine and explain the last week in Scottish politics. And we'll be indulging ourselves with a wee pub quiz to see just how much we all gleaned from that stunning era in UK politics, the age of Liz Truss. It's been another roller coaster, which I'm happy to confirm I watched from the sidelines, being a devotee to the seasonal Tatty Howkin holidays. But I would encourage everyone to listen again, if they haven't already, to the excellent one-off special we put out with Courier Editor David Clegg, my esteemed politics team colleagues and guest Kezia Dugdale, the former Scottish Labour leader. Our Investigations Chief Callum Ross put out another one-off special interview with economy expert Mary Spowage on the difficult financial times we're all living through as well. But to today, we have a new boss. Is he the same as the old boss? Let's sincerely hope not. Justin, I was engaged in some rural pursuits last week and I feel like I've woken up from a coma and missed Armageddon. Can you please bring us up to speed and tell us what is happening? So we have our third new Prime Minister of the Year. It almost feels like a weekly occurrence now at this point. Um, Unprecedented. But Rishi Sunak, just six weeks or seven weeks after he failed to become Prime Minister, has now become the Prime Minister. He put his hat in the ring again after Liz Truss announced her intentions to resign last week. For a while it was up in the air. We thought Boris Johnson might make a remarkable comeback. Penny Mergent had another go at it as well. But in the end, Rishi Sunak was the only MP who was able to get the support of 100 Conservative MPs. That meant he automatically then became the Prime Minister as a result. So a pretty remarkable sequence of events yeah. given what's happened. But Rishi Sunak now is a top job and he'll be delighted with that. As is everyone else. This is a man, of course, who has, um, he lost to the woman who then went on to lose to a lettuce. So we're all, we're all blessed. Um, the Daily Star can keep you up to date with that one. How about uh, his first test, though? This um, this new Prime Minister we have. He was at Prime Minister's Questions this week. It was his first entertaining joust with the opposition. So how did how did he fare there? Were there any signs that we could pick up? Well, it's quite interesting. Rishi Sunak is seen in some ways, despite being his Chancellor, as a sort of different personality to Boris Johnson, maybe a more technocratic type figure. But a lot of his answers and a lot of his responses echoed Boris Johnson in many ways. He took a jibe at Keir Starmer for the support of Jeremy Corbyn back in 2019 and before that. He took a jibe at Starmer not being tough enough on protesters. He even made a little comment about Starmer never leaving North London. Quite ironic given Sunak, I believe, has a home in Kensington as well and given his wealth. So there was a bit of a populist rhetoric here where he was very much not just focused on policy stuff, but wanting to kind of fight with Starmer, kind of, I suppose below the gutter in a way. As for how he performed, he was absolutely stronger than Liz Truss. I think anyone who is at the dispatch box would be, to be quite honest. And he was a lot less blustering than you would typically see Boris Johnson being. But at the same time, I don't think it was anything remarkable. It, Keir Starmer was able to hit him on his support for Suella Braverman, his Home Secretary, mm. just a number of days after she resigned. He was able to point out that despite Sunak backing the levelling up agenda to move funds to more deprived areas, Sunak had boasted about doing the opposite of this um, at a meeting in Tunbridge Wells. So it was definitely still quite a difficult uh, PMQs for Sunak. And I think some of the praise that he's been given 
perhaps more comes from a position where it's just odd to see someone who frankly doesn't embarrass themselves every time they go up to the dispatch box. <laughs> well, Rachel, you I mean you've sort of taken it all in day by day, just like everybody else, but there's the new dynamic as well um for us here in, in, in Scotland. We're looking out from 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 this vantage point. You correctly guessing Liz Truss would become Prime Minister one day. Let's not forget that. Um she in her leadership campaign, she promised to ignore Nicola Sturgeon and actually did live up to that promise. Rishi Sunak picked up the phone on day one, but I mean, what a low bar to, yeah. clear, to clear for some sort of praise. I mean, what... Very low bar there. Okay, he spoke to the First Minister and the First Minister in Wales um, was also ignored by Liz Truss. So what do we get from that? I mean, is that just what you'd expect? We'd say it's what do you expect, but exactly, Liz Truss spent her entire time as Prime Minister never once actually speaking to Nicola Sturgeon. And um, I think Nicola Sturgeon did tweet out when she said she was resigning to say, oh, God, I'll just wait for the next one. Because there's, an, it's, it's, there's no point on it now, just wait for the next one. Um, I think we quite often get notifications of all the different people Rishi Sunak speaks to of a week. Um, whether that's um, sort of ministers, uh, foreign dignitaries, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or in this case, Nicola Sturgeon, and I have to say, even in the first couple of days, there's been a lot more phone calls with other prime ministers, phone calls with other members of the Commonwealth, phone calls with the devolved nations than there ever was under Liz Truss. Um, I think there's definitely been a lot more of that from Rishi Sunak right from the start. Um, very much getting into it. When push comes to shove, though, like there's not going to be any change in his attitude to no. Nicola Sturgeon's central call yeah if you remember back to the hustings he was very much saying you know independence is uh, not going to he was he wouldn't be drawn on the question but he certainly wasn't in favor of offering an independence referendum was he no um and it was not like the quip as well about darlington in scotland so i mean i i i don't feel like he's going to be have his um finger on the button when it comes to scottish issues uh, but perhaps wanting to show there is a bit more yeah a little, a little change at the in his cabinet, but he went for continuity in, in Scotland as mm -hmm. well, keeping hold of Alistair Jack, the MP in the Scotland office. Uh, just as we were preparing for today, there was a little mini shuffle underneath that, though. Um, David Ducat, who's a, a North East MP, he's, he's, he's out. And um, despite Andrew Bowie's best efforts, uh, John Lamont is the, the, the junior minister in the Scotland office now. He's obviously next door neighbour almost, in constituency terms, to Alistair Jack. He's got a borders patch. There's lots of symbolism there. I think that the, the union, the union angle, is quite strong in that uh, in that uh, appointment. Is there any anything else we can sort of glean from the first week of uh, announcements and visits? I mean, he's he's been doing the rounds. He's spoken to Nicola Sturgeon, but. Will there be a change in policy? Are we just, you know, are we just going to rip up what Liz Trust did and start again? I mean, you, Justin, mentioned um, the reappointment of Suella Braverman. That that really caught everybody by surprise. One of the things that Rishi Sunak said outside Downing Street on his first day was this is going to be an age of accountability. Did he rip that up straight away? Well, yes, this was very interesting. So Braverman only resigned as Home Secretary last week. She was replaced by Grant Shapps very briefly, but now she's back in the job. She would, She's very much seen on the right wing of the party. It would have perhaps made a natural ally for Boris Johnson if he did end up you know, finalising that comeback and came back into office. 
so there was almost a sense, and this is certainly what Keir Starmer and Ian Blackford had to say, that Sunak had done a bit of a, essentially a grubby deal behind the scenes to ensure that if Braverman was backing him, if she was loyal to his government, she would get back in her post at the Home Office. The issue is, however, that she had resigned on a matter of, well, so she said, sort of a matter of principle due to, I suppose, accidentally leaking information. So if she's resigned over that, how can she just then walk back into her job? Labour raised an urgent question over this uh, after Prime Minister's questions on Wednesday, but Swella Braverman didn't even stay around to answer it. She, I suppose, essentially scuttled out of the House of Commons, or at least out of the Chamber. So, yeah, it's a very contradictory stand to try and say, right, this is a new age of government, a new age of accountability, as you say. But when you look at that top team, it's very, very similar to what Liz Truss had. Obviously, Jeremy Hunt had come in as Chancellor. James Cleverley is still in the Foreign Office. You've got Ben Wallace, who's been in the Defence Secretary role for a long time and has been seen as a steady pair of hands during the war in Ukraine. So you have a lot of these similar faces in the top jobs. Some of them, perhaps understandably, in some cases there perhaps wasn't any need for a reshuffle. But it's quite interesting that the only change here really seems to have been Liz Truss leaving almost. And it's, I suppose it shows how severe a problem the Conservatives thought they had with her in power, where the rest of the team is fine for them. It was just her who had to go. Yeah, I, I did promise that we'd go back and have a pub quiz on his predecessor, Liz Truss. And we'll get to that a little later. I encourage you all to play along as you listen. But first, let's have a look at some of the bigger stories that we've been covering uh, in our patches since we last met under a different Prime Minister last week. Rachel, I thought you could maybe kick us off here. There's been a really good investigation um, by our colleagues at The Courier on um, historic allegations of abuse Bring us up to speed on this for for new readers, new listeners, and maybe just explain kind of what's been what's been uncovered by the Courier's investigation here. Yes, this is a investigation by our Impact team. If the listeners out there haven't had a read of it, please do. It's a really, really interesting um, and in depth read. A lot of work has gone into it. Um, basically, this is um, for Nethy House. It's a residential school in Angus. It was owned um, by the Glasgow Corporation back uh, for decades and basically girls from disadvantaged backgrounds in Glasgow would be sent to the school in Angus for essentially a holiday, short term, few weeks, nothing um, and things like that. However, what's been uncovered recently by the Courier is just decades and decades of abuse, um, violence, um, sort of force feeding, uh, mental degradation and in some cases it has been sexual abuse as well. Um, these allegations have been uh, recounted by uh, quite a few women who who attended this residential school. Um, and it's really quite a harrowing read, so um, yeah, it's, it's well worth having a look at if you've not already. Um, these women are asking for a few different things now. They're wanting um, the government to publicly acknowledge that this abuse took place. Um, and they're also looking to see if they can get financial compensation from the redress scheme. This is a scheme that was um, set up to financially compensate people who had been victims of um, abuse in, in care settings. They're not able to get that because it's a short-term um, stay for an House, not a long-term stay, which is a bit of a technicality, unfortunately, for them. Uh, but what happened this week was all of the women, not all of the women, I should say, a, a group of the women went to the Scottish Parliament and had a demonstration outside Holyrood asking for 
basically asking for justice, asking for official acknowledgement of the allegations they are making. Um, and it was brought up at First Minister's Questions as well this week. Mm-hmm. They shared their stories as well with a few of the Labour and Lib Dem MSPs. So a lot has been going on with that this week in Hollywood as well. So um, yeah. lots going on with that story. And there'll be some more coming up on our politics pages in the, yes. in the Courier, at least um, in the days ahead from your chat to one of the women who hasn't spoken out about her experiences publicly before. So definitely one to check back and, and catch up on once that one's up and out. Um, just down the road from Fernethy in Dundee, our old an old favourite in the city there, a little bit of a corruption scandal, Justin. Oh, yes, this is um, a really interesting yeah, local council corruption story. It goes back to 2019 when an investigation by the Courier found that um, two members of staff in the council's construction department had attended a golf trip on the Spanish coast organised by an electrical company just weeks after that company was awarded a lucrative contract. So obviously this company has been given this contract. Other companies who perhaps could have done the job better for cheaper, thereby saving the taxpayers' money, weren't even given the chance to bid. And our colleague Derek found earlier this week that no further action is set to be taken against um, three men who were essentially involved in this. One of the men, of course, was the City Council's Head of Construction, Mark Ross. He quit um, over the scandal. But that's not the end of it, even if they are escaping, I suppose, criminal prosecution. Local MSP Michael Mara has co- will want Scotland's Auditor General to get involved as well. So one of those ones where the men seem to have been cleared for now, but there's a sense that this shouldn't be the end of it and there's still more that needs to be done to ensure that, I suppose, account- you know, there's accountability for what's happened here. Yeah, um, and it's it's a story that will has been running and running and, and Derek Healy's been leading the charge on that one and it's there's been some incredible revelations and twists and turns in that story, Irene. Encourage anyone to catch up in full on our pages on that one. And Callum Ross as well was um, looking at another long-running saga that um, hasn't quite caught the attention of the wider media who, who've done lots on slave funds being, uh, you know, the, the legacy of imperial slave fund money that's that's propping up various institutions today. Uh, the, the so-called dip, Dick Bequest, which has been funding teachers in the northeast and and Murray, um, it's it's worth one point eight million pounds. We had a, a special episode on that just not very long ago, which is well worth another or another listen. Um, but it looks as though it's now close to collapse. Um, the campaigners are are certainly hailing a few more moves because one of the the main bodies that that is linked to the running of this teaching fund. Um, is is cutting ties. So this is the the Society of Writers to HM Signet. It's a, a legal organisation, and it's no longer going to be appointing trustees to oversee the fund. You know, we've already talked about how Aberdeen University um, was backing away from it. Um, it was also reported elsewhere. The Sunday Times actually uh, they they've taken an interest now as well. Sir Jeff Palmer, who grew up in Kingston, um, came to the UK when he was fourteen. He was saying that the the remaining 1.8 million should be returned to Jamaica. That's a line that, that we've previously pushed as well um, from people outside Scotland. So it seems that uh, they're digging away at that story, starting to to lead to something. But um, of course, what happens next is 1.8 million pounds gets sent back. What happens um, to the support that used to be given with that money? And this, you know, 
difficult questions and difficult decisions need to be taken on this fund. But uh, yeah, anyone who perhaps wanted to find out a little bit more on that one, I would encourage going back to a Stushy episode from a few weeks back where Calm had a really good chat with one of the historians, David Alston, who, who's been absolutely central to lifting the lid on all this. Okay, the listeners might not know this, but our man Justin Bowie is a pub quiz master who hosts a regular night in some dingy Glasgow bar. I've never been there. And all that training is not going to waste because we're going to harness his skills now and help us deal with Liz Truss in the only fitting way we can. Not only that, but we're going to bring in the brains behind this podcast, producer Morvin McIntyre, who does so much to make me sound more articulate than I, I really am. Justin, over to you. So, obviously, Liz Truss, as we were saying earlier on, only made it six or seven weeks as Prime Minister, and as a result of that, we never really got the chance to know her. This isn't obviously a question, but as an example, many people, when she left office, observed that they never really got to know her husband's name. We've had many kind of famous spouses over the years, but, you know, he never really got his chance to shine, as an example. So, <laughs> do the three of you have team names? Or are we, are we, just, going, are we just going on the basis of... Individual names. We need team names. We need team names. Oh, Andy, first first up, do you have a team name? Well, I was trying to think outside the box a bit here because, uh, you know, I considered a few quiz trusts, you know, it's been done. And then um, I thought I'd, I'd counteract it with a bit of um, constitutional stuff. I mean, so this this one's for the real the real lovers of a, of a, of a political slogan. I'm going to be dunce in a generation. Can either Rachel or Morvan beat that for a team name? I probably won't be able to beat that, but um, as the we said earlier on... The suggest you might. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> earlier on in the episode, we did talk about this lettuce that um, that outlasted Liz Truss, so I'm going to go with Lettuce Truss as my, good my name, good name. And Morvan? Oh, um, well, I'm going to be quite boring and just go for something like unprecedented just because it's been overused. So I'll use it in an ironic way. Not quite as punny as the other ones, but we'll go with that. So we have unprecedented lettuce trusts and dunce in a generation. All good team names. So six questions here. The first couple of questions, well, I'll explain it as we go. So question number one. Liz Truss is famed for being a Lib Dem while she was at uni in the early 1990s when she even wanted to abolish the monarchy. But in what year did she join the Conservatives? And I'll take whoever can get closest here. I get it might not be easy, but in what year did she switch her support to the Conservatives? Uh, I'm going to take a guess because I know that this... this um, she, she was in the 1980s that she was doing all this against Margaret Thatcher. And I'm pretty sure she stood in the Conservative parties in the early 2000s. It must be the 90s. I'm going to go for 94. 94? Oh. I'm going to... I was thinking the 90s as well. Um, I might be different. I'll go 97. 97? I'll go post-Tony Blair's... Um, I, I think I think she was... I think it was uh, 99. 99. Well, the point goes to the person who got closest... And um, she actually joined the Conservatives probably not too long after her famous Lib Dem speeches in 1996. And therefore, the point would go to Morvan here. Well done, Morvan. That's unprecedented. The eyes have it. Oh, exciting. Unprecedented <laughs> takes a 1-0-0 lead. Moving on to question number two, and it's another kind of not really guess the year, but um, it's, a, it's a kind of number-based question. 
We all know Liz Truss famously spent a spell of her life living in Paisley. She went on about it a lot during her leadership campaign. But just how many years exactly did she stay in Scotland for? Oh, Ooh, I'm going to have a stab at that one. Because I think it's, it's really, really very, very short. And it's only like two years? I am going to go slightly higher at six years. Oh, damn it. Mm. Six? Oh, no, I thought, is it a trick question? Was it months? <laughs> it, is, it is years, it is um, years. She, she, she did last longer in oh, Scotland right, okay. than she did as Prime Minister. That is, I, I can guarantee that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go a year and a half, so 18 months. So apparently Rachel was correct and it was actually <gasps> six years. Oh, get out of town. Right on the money. The eyes have it. One nil. so uh, first point for Let Us Trust. Was it school for two years then? It could have been, yes. Yeah, so it must have been when she was very, very young. I was surprised as well. Oh, I thought it was a much smaller period of time, but she, yeah, she certainly lasted longer here than she did in office. Here we um, go, a, true, so a true child of the union. The next one, I suppose, can be a kind of um, basically shout out if you think you've got it. Um, it's a one in three chance here. So Liz Truss, obviously, before she became prime minister, hadn't held too many of the top jobs. She was obviously foreign secretary for around a year or so, but she held a lot of other briefs before that. So... Question number three, which of the following positions did Liz Truss not hold during her time as a minister? Justice Secretary, Environment Secretary, or Education Sec Secretary? Oh, oh, I want to come in. Oh, go on then. I want to say Education go. Secretary. I think she was she was in the Education Office as a minister, I think, but I don't think she was ever Education Secretary. You're correct. Oh. So The eyes have it. Let us trust. Have another point. You're correct there. So this next one, question number four, a sort of history question, only slightly related to Liz Truss herself, but an interesting one nevertheless. Before Liz Truss, who is the last Prime Minister to spend less than a year in office, if indeed there are any? So before Liz Truss... Oh, there was someone. It was years ago, though. Oh, they said it on the radio the other day. <laughs> and this is actually quite interesting. I believe it is also, this person is the last... Person, well, yeah, I'm telling you there is an answer here which maybe gives you a hint if nobody knows it right away. This person is also the last Perthshire MP to be Prime Minister. <gasps> oh, uh, uh, Hume. Yep, correct. Aye. The eyes have it. Alex Douglas Hume was Prime Minister very, very briefly from 1963 to 1964. He replaced Harold Macmillan and he was literally just days off being in office for a year but then lost the 1964 election and Labour then took power. So he did fight an election, at least, which I suppose is more than Liz Truss. So <laughs> moving on to question number five, our last two questions. These are slightly more quirky things that Liz Truss Ooh. either said or did. No pork markets, because I thought that would be a little bit too obvious. But question number five. That is a disgrace. In 2018, what did Liz Truss say was being used in prisons to deter drones from dropping off drugs? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, Must be something really wacky. It is. Like lasers or something. It, the clip did go viral again relatively recently. I'm gonna I go believe she'd have been justice minister at the time. Not lasers. Anti-aircraft no. guns. No. <laughs> I will give a clue here. It's not an object of some sort. It's a... Yuri Geller. <laughs> You're getting slightly closer, but you're not quite there. No, it's not, not Yuri Keller. Magic? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. 
nobody, nobody thinks they can get this one. Is it like slingshot? The nose. Yeah. So in 2018, Oz Trust said that barking patrol dogs were being used to deter drugs from being delivered <laughs> to prisons. And if you watch that clip, you can see whoever is sitting behind her um, on the benches trying to suppress a laugh because obviously it was a slightly bizarre moment. So one Great. of her, um, one of her many very weird moments. This is getting a this is getting a hard quiz, Justin. This is a very hard. Well, quiz. I, d- I did say I, w- I was told specifically to make it a difficult quiz because it's the things that you either don't know about trust or um, yeah. you don't want to know. <laughs> so question <laughs> number six, the final question of the quiz. I believe what the score two one one at the moment. So. Rachel Ooh. is ever so slightly ahead. Lester's trusts are in the lead, so it's to see if someone can tie at the top. All right. So, which worldwide famous singer is Liz Truss a fan of to the point of getting a photo with her, walking out to her music at leadership hostings events, and even quoting her lyrics in Parliament? Oh. Taylor is it a Spice Girl? I was going to say it's Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift Andy has it. Taylor Swift. It's oh, Taylor Swift. Yes. The eyes have it. Liz Truss is. An absolutely massive Swifty, um, quoted in Parliament, <laughs> photos at events with her. And of course, I believe may have been Channel 4, who, after she resigned, did a sort of sad montage video to Blank Space by Taylor Swift. So <laughs> a fitting way for her to go. Who, who doesn't love Taylor Swift, to be fair? Well, that's uh, is that a tie at the top? There's a tie at the top between... You got, you got a tiebreaker, Justin? I do have other questions, so yeah, I can certainly, Come I can on. certainly go head to head. question. I had a there couple of extra ones one, that didn't make the one. cut, but so let me see. What, what's our best question to go on? So go for Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> there was like, I'm sure there's a couple you could go on Instagram. <gasps> this is another one that I have though. It's more so, of an advanced sight of these questions. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> this is one that you may or may not know, but it was I was kind of sort of aware of it, but I'd forgotten about it. So between Andy and Rachel to take the win, what is Liz Truss's real first name? I know this one. Oh, I do. What is it then? <laughs> I believe her full name is Mary Elizabeth Truss. It is indeed. Correct. Oh, no. So bizarrely, Liz, <laughs> well, not bizarrely, obviously, there, there are plenty of people who go by, I suppose, their middle name. But yeah, Liz Truss's first name is Mary. Um, so Mary Elizabeth Truss. But obviously we only knew her as Liz Trust. So yeah, a, an interesting fact to finish it off. And to give the win to Let Us Trust on three yes. points. So very well done to Rachel. I, I cannot be I cannot lose a pub quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Rachel. Our resident pub quiz or sorry, our resident Liz Trust expert has been crowned. So very well done. To be fair, it I did say, you, yeah, I did, I did, back in May, I did say we would, she would be the next Prime Minister, so. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> and on that note, well done to winner Rachel. And I hope anyone playing along got the scores that you deserve. So just left for me to say thank you to Justin Bowie and Rachel Amory, producer more of McIntyre, and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more, but until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to The Courier, the Press and Journal, and all of our news brands, so that you can be better briefed. The Stushi is the politics podcast from DC Thompson, designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster, and our communities, so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following The Stushi today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 
And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushy Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal, where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.